Welcome to Fit Body Happy Joints. My name is Dr. Shannon Ritchie. I am a fitness instructor. I'm a former physical therapist and I am the owner of Evo Fitness. And this podcast is all about giving you concise fitness information so that you can be successful in your workouts with the least stress and strain to your body. So let's get into this very hot topic. I'm super excited about this episode. We're going to be talking about how to keep your metabolism high even as you age. How often do we hear someone in their 30s or 40s or beyond tell someone in their 20s what I would give to have my old metabolism back and eat whatever I want? Or this is something that I heard a lot when I was younger is enjoy that donut while you can, while your metabolism is high. And I think that, you know, we could probably have an entirely different conversation about those comments themselves and kind of our trained thoughts and beliefs about food. But today we're going to focus on metabolism as you age and that current science is saying that what we thought about metabolism and aging might not be true. So the belief that a declining metabolism is an inevitable part of adulthood really causes people to feel helpless and like they can't do anything about it. And they just surrender to the natural aging process. But Emerging science shows that a decrease in metabolism is not an inevitable part of adulthood, at least in earlier adulthood from the ages of about 20 to 60. So a study led by Herman Ponsner, and this was released in August of 2021, so pretty recent, demonstrated that when you account for lean mass, metabolism stays stable from the ages of 20 to the ages of 60. And after the age of 60-ish, it tends to decline by 0.7% each year. So let's go over this study a little bit deeper, and then we're going to talk about what to do about this. The researchers studied over 6,000 participants, so it was a very large study. 64% of them were female, and they were between the ages of 8 and 95, 8 and 95. They used a technique called doubly labeled water which is considered the gold standard for measuring how many calories someone burns throughout their day. So this measurement included all of the activity of this person throughout their day, all of the activity of their cells, otherwise known as their total daily energy expenditure or what the lay person you and I refer to as metabolism. So this total daily energy expenditure accounted for all the processes of your cells. So digestion, thinking, fidgeting, moving around, breathing, exercise, any process that your cells have to do to keep you moving and alive. And what this study found was that total daily energy expenditure was highest before the ages of one. So infants, it was the highest. And after the age of one and between the ages of one and like 20 ish metabolism slowly started to decline at the age of 20 it plateaued. So um, metabolism stayed about the same at the age of 20 and it remained there until the age of 60. So between the ages of 20 and 60, metabolism was pretty constant. And then after the age of 60, metabolism declined about 0.7% per year. Now this goes against kind of conventional wisdom that your metabolism is slowly decreasing after you hit like 20 ish. Everyone is like, you know, Oh, what I would give to have the metabolism of a 25 year old again. And you know, they're 45. So this kind of debunks that, right? That your metabolism is slowly going down and down and down. 
but people do tend to gain weight as they age. So what, what's going on? This study showed that yes, maybe people are gaining weight as they age, but it's not because of a decrease in their metabolism necessarily because this study kept lean mass, constant muscle mass, bone mass, which means that if a 60 year old had the same lean mass and body size of a 20 year, 20 year old, they would theoretically have about the same metabolic rate. So that's kind of crazy, right? It just goes to show the importance of lean mass, which is what I want to talk about in detail in this episode. And I can hear you asking, okay, well, you're, you're going to hit perimenopause, you know, usually before the age of 60. So what happens then? Does your metabolism decrease then? And I also hear you saying, well, what do we do after the age of 60 when our metabolism is declining? Hang tight. I'm going to get to both of those at the end of this podcast, but it seems like the researchers still have some things to uncover. Again, this was a relatively new study, so there's lots to uncover about this, um, about metabolism in general, but there can be some pretty convincing reasons why you may gain weight as you age. Let's talk about these reasons for this seemingly age-related body composition change. So there's several hypotheses. One hypothesis is because of sarcopenia, age-related muscle decline or age-related muscle loss. Another hypothesis is because of the tendency to decrease how active you are as you age. Another is changes in stress levels or nutrition, which affect lifestyle and body composition. You know, as you get into middle age, maybe that's the time in life where you have uh, kids that are a little bit older and they're busy and you're stressed and you're not sleeping well. All of those things can affect body composition. Another is that weight gain can creep up really slowly, right? It's, it's not hard, unfortunately, to gain a couple of pounds per year and that can slowly start to add up. But what I want to focus on in this episode is something that I think is really empowering and it's that we can avoid sarcopenia or age-related muscle loss and keep our metabolisms high. I think this is one of the most powerful things we can do to improve our longevity and keep our bodies super healthy and aging well. I've talked about this so many times on this podcast, but we tend to lose muscle about three to 8% of muscle mass per decade after the age of 30, unless we're doing something about it, unless we're actively trying to maintain and hopefully gain muscle, we tend to lose about three to 8%. When you have less muscle, your metabolism declines. You may find that, you know, as each decade goes on, your body composition is changing. You're starting to notice shifts. And a large reason for this could be because you aren't consciously trying to maintain or build muscle. Muscle mass is admittedly challenging to gain and maintain for sure. And if we aren't intentionally doing it, we tend to lose it. Muscle is very metabolically active. So the more of it we have, the more we burn, the higher our totally total daily energy expenditure. Focusing your sessions on building muscle, regardless of the calories you burn in the workout itself, is the best way to facilitate glucose transport, avoid gaining fat, and improve your insulin sensitivity, and thus improve your body's ability to use fat as fuel and prevent weight gain, and keep your metabolism high. Having muscle also helps prevent age-related diseases that seem to be associated with insulin resistance. So when we have better insulin sensitivity, we can fight off diseases like dementia, Alzheimer's, diabetes, heart disease, PCOS, and so much more. I interviewed Dr. Ben Bickman, who is a metabolic scientist on my podcast, 
That's episode number 63. If you want to go back and listen to it, it is a really good one. I just listened to it this week in preparation for this episode. It's packed with excellent knowledge. Highly recommend. He emphasizes the importance of being insulin sensitive because insulin is a hormone that affects every cell in our body. So logically being more insulin sensitive will improve the health and longevity of our entire system and can theoretically fight off almost any disease. He, I know that that's a, a big claim, but I think that a lot of doctors and researchers are starting to notice the effects of insulin on multiple, multiple diseases and pathologies that are associated with age. So we want to improve our insulin sensitivity. We want to improve our metabolic rate. And obviously there's nutritional aspects to improving insulin sensitivity. And I always like to say, you know, you can't separate nutrition and exercise. You just can't, but a powerful way to improve insulin sensitivity is to build muscle. And I know I'm such a broken record. Maybe I'm starting to get redundant. I apologize. I just think that the more we can understand this, the more we can shift fitness culture in the right ways and have people exercising for the right reasons. But I think the problem with fitness culture is that, you know, historically we've been so focused on what we're burning that we're not focused on what we're building. And we're potentially setting ourselves up for long-term issues. Because like I said, muscle is difficult to build and maintain. It takes a lot of intention and effort, not to say that it's impossible, but it's something that you have to focus on. And Exercise is not shown to significantly increase caloric deficit due to a phenomenon called constrained total energy expenditure. This phenomenon was actually coined by the same researcher, Herman Ponser. So we used to think that energy expenditure was additive. So the more exercise you do, the more you burn, the quicker you lose weight, the quicker you burn fat. But this actually is not shown to be the case because our bodies are very adaptive and they adapt to our routines. And when they adapt to our routines, our energy expenditure tends to stabilize. It's not additive in the sense that as we add more activity, it doesn't necessarily increase our deficit because our bodies like to keep us within this narrow window of energy expenditure or calories burned within about a week's period. So if you burn more in your workouts, you are not significantly contributing to your deficit. Your body ends up downregulating other energy using processes like fidgeting, like digestion, um, and you end up burning less in those processes to kind of keep you within this narrow window. So it's not like doing more and more exercise is contributing more and more to a deficit. And I think that this is also a reason why people sometimes gain weight when they start exercising is because they look at their watch. They're like, Oh, I burned 500 calories in my workout. So that means I can have, you know, an extra 500 calories in food. And number one, I think this kind of bastardizes your relationship to exercise and food. And number two, you're probably not increasing your deficit. So you could be overeating. So that's something that I always recommend just ditch the fitness watch and don't even track how many calories you're burning in your workouts. Um, exercising just to burn calories also is doing something else. It might be decreasing your muscle mass since your body will break down unused tissue for energy, regardless of if it's muscle or fat. So if you're exercising just to burn calories, instead of exercising intentionally to build muscle, you can be eating away at the muscle mass that you have. So 
I think we've been looking at exercise all wrong and potentially doing our population a disservice by teaching people just to burn, burn, burn. Because not only are you already losing muscle due to natural aging, but you could be potentially accelerating that muscle loss with just lots of cardio and exercise that isn't intentionally loading your muscles and causing those muscles to increase in strength and size. And I will say that anecdotally, I have more muscle mass than I ever have. I would not call myself a super muscular person, but I'm on my way and I'm really proud of the muscle that I have built. And I know that I've built more muscle because I've I've had DEXA scans. And so you can see the objective, how much muscle I've built. So again, I still have some way to go and I plan to continue to build muscle or try to build muscle throughout my life. But I will say that I can tell that since I have more lean mass, I can tell my metabolism is higher. I am shocked by how much more flexibility I have with food. And I don't want to say that like, that's the only reason to build muscle or to focus on building muscle. Please don't hear me wrong. And I don't think you earn earn your food, but I just noticed that when I go on vacation and I'm enjoying all the foods and drinks, which I do tend to do, I don't notice when I get back that my clothes are fitting much differently, maybe a little bit, but not much. Whereas in my early twenties, when I was focusing more on what I was burning rather than what I was building, I used to notice a pretty significant difference when I would go on vacation and kind of be off of my nutrition routines and habits and my clothes are fitting a lot tighter. And that's when I was a lot younger, right? That was when I was in my early twenties. So even though I am older, I feel like my metabolism has improved and I wish that I could, you know, do this doubly labeled water, um, experiment when I was in my twenties and now so that I could see the objective data, but unfortunately we just have to go with how we feel. So I do think that it does make a big difference in improving the muscle, improving your muscle mass can make a huge difference to your metabolism. So the act of exercising itself is not great for fat loss. Like I said, in the sense that we should not focus on what we're burning, but what exercise can do is improve metabolic processes like your glucose transport and regulation and insulin sensitivity, which ultimately improves your metabolism. So it's kind of a secondary effect. So let's discuss how this can affect your body. I want to back up and talk a little bit about glucose transport and insulin sensitivity, because I think this is important to understand when you're discussing this phenomenon. So you store food, so you eat food and you store the glucose or the sugar from your food in three primary storage units. So liver, muscle, and fat. What happens when you eat is your food breaks down into glucose and travels to the tissues of your body via your bloodstream. So this is blood sugar, right? You've maybe heard about blood sugar. When you're eating, your food is broken down into glucose, goes via your blood out to the tissues of your body to help fuel those tissues. An increase in blood glucose triggers a hormone called insulin. And this is a hormone you could almost think of like a key. Insulin is the key to unlock the storage units, which are storing that glucose. So let's, let's think of like this analogy of, okay, you've got these different storage units. You've got your liver, you've got muscle and you've got fat. And in order for glucose energy to be stored in these different storage units, you have to have insulin, which is the key to kind of unlock them. And 
The reason that these tissues store this glucose is so that you can use it later to power your movements, to fuel your digestion, to keep your brain sharp, etc. So insulin is facilitating the glucose into one of these three storage units, the liver, muscle, or fat. Liver is the first place that glucose is stored if that liver is not already full, if the storage of the liver is not already full. So to my knowledge, the liver has limited storage capacity. So once it's full, it's full. When the liver is full with glucose, the next storage unit site is muscle and your insulin opens up the cells of the muscle, glucose comes in. And once that storage site is full, once your muscle is full, then the leftover goes to fat and there's unlimited fat that we can essentially unlimited fat that we can build, right? What's really cool is that you can build more muscle, which means you can increase the amount of storage units for glucose. So how does exercise and building muscle affect how your body uses the food that you ingest? Well, when you exercise, there's two kind of primary things to think about. It's during exercise and then the adaptations from exercise of building more muscle or more storage sites. So when you exercise and you use your muscles hard, you empty the stored glycogen in those muscles, and then you empty the stored glycogen in your liver. This allows room for new glucose to enter after each meal. This is why the active exercising can actually improve your insulin sensitivity and your glucose transport. New glucose can now be refilled into the liver and muscle. And if you aren't over consuming, you don't gain fat, right? Cause there's There's places for the glucose to go within the muscle and within the liver. But if they're topped off, if you haven't, you know, if you don't exercise, if they're topped off and you're over consuming, now that extra glucose will be shuttled to fat. So the act of exercising can help prevent weight gain, but having more muscle mass can help, um, prevent fat gain as well, since having more storage units available for glucose means there's more places for glucose to be stored and less likelihood is stored as fat. So yes, exercise has a role in fat loss and maintenance, but it's not in the way that kind of conventional wisdom has taught us that we need to use exercise as a tool to burn. We want to use exercise as a tool to build our body up so that it has more storage sites for that new glucose to come in. And I hear many of you that could be asking, okay, I get that. I get why muscle can improve my metabolism, but if it's not my metabolism, that's causing my weight gain as I get older, what is causing my weight gain? Like I said earlier, if we're not doing something about it, we tend to lose between three to 8% of muscle mass each decade after the age of 30. But if we're slowly losing muscle mass, if you think about it, we're slowly losing muscle mass. Maybe we aren't using the glucose stores in our muscle because we aren't working our muscles and fatiguing our muscles. We have less storage sites. Those muscle, the glucose in the muscles already topped off. So we're slowly just contributing more to fat because if you don't change your diet, but your storage sites are shrinking, it makes sense how you start to store more fat. And No, it's not just age. And yes, you can do something about it. Even if you're over the age of 60, I would argue that there's no reason why you can't gain muscle and have an an amazing healthy body and an amazing metabolism. But what I think many people do is 
they notice maybe this age-related weight gain and they put themselves on what we call the downward spiral. And I know I've talked about this on previous episodes, so my apologies if I'm being redundant, but this is what happens. You notice a little fat gain over maybe a decade or so. So you decide you want to do something about it. Usually this happens in the new year to a lot of people, but you start running, you start doing cardio and attempt to burn more fat. And on top of that, you're cutting your calories. And this may work at first, but what you don't realize is that unless you're strength training and eating enough protein, again, like I said, you're losing both fat and muscle, which spirals the problem because now you have less storage sites for glucose in the muscle. You have to continue to cut calories and add more exercise to lose weight and, or just maintain. Because like I said, your system adjusts to that energy um, expenditure as you start to add more and you decrease your caloric deficit. So some weight loss may happen initially, but it quickly plateaus. On the other hand, you can put yourself on a different trajectory, which is the upward spiral. And again, I've talked about this before, but this is where maybe you notice some weight gain over the years, even though you haven't really changed your diet and you decide to change, um, to a protein dense diet and you start resistance training. Maybe you join Avlo and you watch, you know, the nutrition modules and you're like, okay, I'm going to start to gain muscle. So here's what happens. You slowly gain muscle and increase the storage units in the muscle for glucose. Now you can eat more knowing that there's more room for glucose in the muscle rather than shuttling that glucose to fat. And what's awesome is that muscle sticks around a lot longer. You know, I kind of talked about my experiences with going on vacation and maybe getting off my nutrition habits. You may notice that when you take time off vacation and maybe eat more, maybe your clothes don't fit much differently as they did before you went on vacation. And I would argue to say that they won't change much at all, especially in comparison to the person who's on that downward spiral. Because if you're on that downward spiral and you stop exercising, now you don't have a lot of muscle and you really decreased, um, the amount of energy you're burning, your body's going to adapt to that. And you might be starting to, you know, add more fat quicker. And this is because muscle sticks around for longer. So you aren't depending on your workouts to burn anything off. You can take a break here and there, and your body is much more prepared when you take that break. Your body is better prepared for that break. So all that said, I always like to say this, Evlo is not a weight loss program. We're a muscle building program. I don't think any exercise routine should be necessarily for weight loss. I think it should be to build muscle and to keep your heart healthy. Because I think the more I can educate about how, it's not how much you do, it's not how many calories you burn. It is the quality of work to your muscles that ultimately will make the biggest difference in your health and your longevity and in your body composition. Because putting yourself on that upward spiral can really help delay age-related changes in your body and make you feel so much more vibrant, avoid health issues later, improve insulin sensitivity, be more flexible in your life as far as what you consume. And honestly, your joints will, and your body will probably feel better because you're not doing so much repetitive cardio. And by the way, I'm not saying don't do cardio. Cardio is important for heart health. You know, we do recommend around 150 minutes a week of light to moderate intensity cardio. Um, you don't have to track that incessantly. You can just kind of estimate. And we also recommend if your joints can tolerate it, a couple of short 
hit sessions per week, one to two really short hit sessions per week where you're going all out effort and then doing uh, intervals and having that be like maybe 15 minutes max. But so I'm not saying don't do cardio, but I am saying that cardio or any workout that is all about burning calories might not be what's best for you in the long term. In fact, like I said, I recommend just ditching the fitness watch and don't even track how many calories you're burning that way. It's kind of out of sight, out of mind, and you can really focus on what matters, which is your muscles. Okay, let's get into menopause because I know I have a large audience that is in perimenopause or beyond. Does your metabolism change during menopause? The researchers found that even during menopause, when you equate for lean muscle mass, your metabolism does not change. Now, there's a whole host of other changes during perimenopause, which could be affecting body composition, but it doesn't seem to be total, totally, total daily energy expenditure that's affecting body composition. What could be happening is during menopause, maybe um, your muscle mass is accelerating and, or your muscle loss, I'm sorry, your muscle loss is accelerating and that could be contributing to your body composition and metabolism drop. But if we are trying to, um, build muscle, you know, before, during, and after perimenopause, maybe you won't have significant body composition changes, or you can, you know, kind of mitigate some of those symptoms of menopause. Okay. And then what's happening after the age of 60? Why are we seeing this decline in metabolism after the age of 60? Their theory is that cell maintenance starts to decline around this time, which is decreasing metabolic rate, but they said that they still need to investigate this claim further. So, you know, all of our cells require maintenance. And the idea is that after the age of 60 ish, this is when this process starts to decline and we start to see some problems. This sounds kind of like, you know, negative, (laughs) but here's my thought on the matter. If we can maintain as much muscle mass as possible, potentially build muscle mass, even if you're in your sixties and beyond potentially build muscle mass and, you know, Evelyn members above the age of 60 are doing this every day. Perhaps we can, can, perhaps we can continue to improve cellular processes like insulin regulation and mitochondrial health. But if you're 60 and beyond, it may be time to really focus on your nutrition and your strength. If you're noticing issues, I really do recommend, you know, consulting a dietitian or a physician and talking to them about it because I can't give specific advice about nutrition. But what I can say is what my plan is as of now is that when I get to that age, I'm going to build as much muscle as I can up to that point. And then I'm going to try to build muscle during that point. I'm going to remain curious and not take aging as an excuse to not do everything I can to stay healthy and strong and vibrant. And it really does seem like there's more to uncover here. And I apologize that I don't have all the answers, but I'm, I'm hopeful for this, um, finding of all ages. I think that again, if we can really focus on the right things we can put ourselves on an upward spiral, no matter what your age is. Hopefully we'll continue to learn more in the meantime. I hope this episode gives you yet another reason to shift your focus from doing more and more and just burning calories and destroying your body and your workouts to really building your body up. So that is it for today. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review and subscribe, and we will see you all next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now.